Amen. Morning, friends. So good to be with you all again this morning. So Joe said we start our new series next week, but this week I'm uh, grateful for the opportunity just to share with you from a passage of Scripture that has been and continues to be a massive encouragement for me through many years, um, and I hope it will be a huge encouragement to you as well. So start turning with me to Romans 8. It's also come up behind us. It will be our main text this morning. Romans 8 is an incredible chapter in the Bible. If you haven't spent time there, I would encourage you to spend months, to spend years, to just sit in that chapter, to sit in this letter, the greatest letter it's known that was ever written. Um, Take time. It will will change your life, I can promise you. But this morning, we're just going to be looking at two verses. So we're going to be reading from verses 15 to 17. Paul is speaking to believers like most of us in this room this morning, and he writes this in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but rather you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your words to us this morning, God. Lord, we all know that it's so easy to come to your word in personal devotions or to come to a preach like this and to just tune out, Lord. Or to be familiar, maybe. Some of us are very familiar with this passage and just to sort of think that we have, we have grasped all of it. Lord, I pray, God, that you will help us to hear, to really hear what you are saying to each of us this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you will help us to then not just hear it, but to believe it, God. Most of us in this room have heard a lot about you, God, but help us to believe what you say about yourself and what you say about us this morning. Help me, I pray, in your name, Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Amen. So, friends, what Paul is doing here, I don't know if you've noticed, but he's contrasting two types of spirits for us. And in a sense, he's contrasting two types of people. So the first is one with the spirit of slavery that results in a fearful, insecure existence. And Paul is saying that this is not the spirit that we as believers, as followers of Christ, those who have trusted Jesus alone for our salvation, this is not the spirit that we have received. Now he says that the second person, which is the one who has received the spirit of adoption, affirming they are children of God, that is the spirit that we have received, the spirit that enables us to cry out, Abba, Father, which we must realize is such a personal term, that word Abba, it was so personal, so affectionate. It means that we as God's children can get real with God. We can get personal with God. We can draw near to God and be ourselves with him. That's what he's saying. That is the spirit that we have received. The problem that we face as believers, if you're anything like me, is that as much as we would quite confidently all this morning profess that we are the second person, quite often... And especially when things get tough, or we fall into suffering, or we sin and we mess up, or failure 
is all around us, quite often we end up acting like and feeling like the first person. We very quickly fall back into our fears. We fall back into doubt, insecurity, anxiety, condemnation. And so we then act and we respond from that place and not from a place of security in God. We, we don't go to God, rather we, we go to ourselves essentially. We become enslaved to ourselves. That's what the first person is. That's how the world lives. They are slaves to themselves. That's the spirit that us, an unbeliever has. It's an orphan spirit. It's a spirit that says it's all on me, that I'm actually alone in this. And we feel burdened and overwhelmed. And so we try and perform more. We try and get better. We try and do better. We try and handle it ourselves. And it just compounds. And we go deeper and deeper. And before we know it, we are driven to despair. And further and further away from God we go. I know it's not always like this. And as believers, many of us have beautiful testimonies of seasons of the presence of God with us, of feeling that peace, that joy, moments. But I think for a lot of us, if not most of us, and even Paul himself in chapter 7, he speaks of himself like that. We so quickly fall into this place of anxiety and fear. We hear the other voices around us, the voice in our own minds, the voice of those around us, the voice of the world suddenly becomes so much louder. The voice of Satan becomes louder than the voice of God. And we forget that we have not received the Spirit. This is not the Spirit that we have received, but that we have received the Spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. Friends, this life, living a life in turmoil and despair, that is not the life that Jesus came to give us. That is not the life that Jesus promised us. What Jesus did say and what he did promise in a way was that we would suffer. It even says that later in this, in this passage, provided we suffer. We will suffer. Later on, he speaks about the, that we are subjected to futility from hitting our toe against the chair <laughs> to great suffering, to great pain, to sickness, to failure, to sin. He promised that we would be a work in progress, that we would have troubles and we would have trials. But he did not promise that we would be then left alone. He did not promise that we would have to work it out ourselves. He did not, not promise that we would then be driven to anxiety and despair and insecurity and have to try and make a plan to get to the end. No, he promised that he would be with us. He promised that we would not be alone. He promised that we would have a peace amidst all the suffering that we would face. He promised that he would renew our minds, that he would give us perspective, that he would strengthen us, that he would stir our faith, that he would ensure that we made it to the end. That's what he promised us, friends. But so many of us, including myself, we, we so easily slip back into the first person. And every day, that's what we're going to be tempted with. Every day, we are going to be tempted to live as orphans and not as sons and daughters. We're going to just try and earn God's affections just a little bit. And we're not going to go to God just to enjoy Him, but we're going to go to God to try and show that we are better. We're going to have a quiet time, not just to worship Him and delight in Him. We're going to have a quiet time to try and show Him that we are doing okay. So we're going to perform more. We're going to pretend more. 
We're going to be tempted every day, friends, to be consumed by the anxieties and the doubts and the fears that threaten us, especially when we fail, especially when times are tough. And what's helped me is to realize that normal Christianity is not the absence of suffering or of failure or even of sin. Even Paul still struggled with sin. Now, that's normal Christianity. Normal Christianity is not the absence of those things, friends. But normal Christianity is the presence of God's help and peace and joy and strength and grace and mercy. And so when we start putting it all on ourselves, when we start feeling a heavy burden, when we start feeling overwhelmed, when we start feeling like it's all on us, when we feel alone, friends, that is not normal Christianity. And some of us just need to hear that this morning. That is not what Jesus came to give us. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, to enslave us again, to speak lies again. He wants us to fall back into our fears. But Christ has come that we may have life and life in abundance. Notice how Paul, he, he didn't contrast the spirit of slavery with the spirit of a soldier then who fights harder or the spirit of a worker who performs better. No, he contrasted slavery and fear with the affection that a child feels of belonging to his father. The spirit of adoption, it speaks to a, that of a father who willingly and lovingly chooses us, who rescues us, who is with us, who helps us, who holds us, who keeps us. This is a spirit that you and I have received, friends, that in Jesus, this is what we have received. That's how Paul starts this chapter. He's been spending the last seven chapters unpacking the gospel, showing us how, how sinful we are. Of ourselves, we can't save ourselves. Showing us the amazing work that Christ has done. We sung about it over and over this morning. And then he hits chapter 8 and he says, There is therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, it's done. If you ever feel condemned, that is not of God. That is not normal Christianity. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I remember walking with someone who had really fallen into great sin, and they got in a great revelation again of the gospel, had repented, had turned to God, and the, they were talking in such a way that they were so free in Christ, so secure in Christ, that I had to take a moment and go, is this okay? <laughs> is this okay? Shouldn't they feel still a little bit bad? Because it's really bad. They, they shattered lives. Is, is, shouldn't they feel a little bit bad? But it was so genuine. It was so real. And it encouraged me. It challenged me. That is normal Christianity. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the law of the Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit that we have been given, has set us free. Has set us free, he writes in verse 2, from the law of sin and death. We are not bound anymore to Satan and his ways, to the world and its ways, to ourselves. We are not bound anymore to our sin. We may struggle with it. We fight against it. We wrestle with it. But we are not enslaved to it, friends. Christ has rescued us. He has saved us. We are those who now can cry out to God for help. I love it. I put and say we are those who are now can formally and politely go and ask God if he would have some assistance for us. No, he says we can cry out to God, Abba, Father. It's got exclamation marks there. It means we can get real with God. When you're struggling, when you're suffering, when you're falling, when you're tempted, cry out, God, help me. 
We go to God. We don't go away from Him and try and sort our stuff out, then come back to Him and say, okay, I think I'm good now. How am I doing? Friends, you couldn't save yourself and you can't keep yourself. We are those who cry out to God. So if this is a spirit that we have received, why do we still struggle so much? Why have I still struggled so much over my entire Christian life? Why have I struggled? Why have I still so often slipped back into the first person? Why do we struggle with this? And I, when I've thought about this, I've thought, I think it's our understanding of the gospel at times. That, that, that we miss the fullness of the gospel. You see, justification is the word at the heart of the gospel. Nearly every song we sung this morning was basically justification by faith alone. Justification speaks to how Christ has taken our sin, how he's paid the price for our sin. It's an incredible truth, friends. But it goes even further than that, that it isn't just that you and I are declared not guilty, but that we are declared righteous. It's at the heart of the gospel. It's a truth that we have to live in and meditate upon every single day of our lives that this is what Christ has done, that we are not just declared not guilty, but that we are declared righteous. As the judges looked at us and says, your penalty has been paid. You are not just free, but you are righteous. You are right with me now. But then we stop there. And we feel that the judges then sent us out and said, now go on your way. You are free, as we sung earlier. You are free. Go on your way and make sure that you keep it together, and I'll see you at the end. You see, we don't move on to the other part of the gospel, which is adoption. How often do we think about that, preach about that, sing about that? Adoption. See, where justification is a legal transaction, adoption is, is to be more a transaction of the heart. It's where God as a father now, not as a judge, steps down off the bench and comes to us and says, you are coming home with me. You are coming home with me. You belong to me. Because you are in Christ, because your sins are forgiven, because you have been made right with me, you are now coming home with me. It speaks to the fact that God has chosen us, that he wants us. It speaks of God's affection towards us. Never mind our affections towards him, but his affections to us, his heart for us. And friends, I think most of us, we never move on from justification, being forgiven, to adoption, being wanted and delighted over and chosen. And so when we fail, we feel like we are diminishing the work of Christ. Instead of going back to God and asking for his mercy and grace and help again, when we suffer and we feel doubt to rise, we feel bad even with that. And so it breeds greater insecurity. And so we are left as a people who are actually often more insecure than what the world is. Because we haven't settled in our hearts as truth that God chose us and that we belong to him, that we have been adopted. We have not received a spirit of slavery to make us fall back into a fear. We have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters that we can now go to God for help and for everything that we need. It's like being on the property where Jesus, he spoke to his disciples about rooms in this house and that they would have a room in this house. You can imagine this beautiful home on this magnificent property with hills and rivers and, and we're just so grateful that we've got access to this property. 
but we don't feel comfortable enough that we can actually come inside. We, we don't feel it's our home. We don't feel we can go and open the fridge and, and grab a, a glass of water and come and sit down at the coffee table and chat to God. And friends, that's not the whole gospel. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you and I would be forgiven, that we would be allowed access onto the property. He died on the cross that we would be restored to fellowship and intimacy with God. That's what God was after, friends, to win your hearts back to him. The plan was always to bring you home. It was always to bring you home. And this word adoption is such a powerful word. In the Roman culture, in that day, in that culture, you could give up your natural-born son. They were okay with that. But once you had adopted somebody, you could never give up that son. You could give up your natural son, but you could never give up an adopted son. Friends, God will never give you an eye up. Paul says at the end of this chapter, there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can make God give you or I up. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You may feel even those days that you can't hold on anymore, but he is holding on to you. That's what Paul is saying here. Nothing and no one can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not even yourself. He has got you. He has won you. You belong to him. We have not received the spirit of slavery, friends. We do not need to fear, doubt, be insecure. No, we are those who are called to find our peace, our rest, our joy in God and God alone. See, your worth and mine is not found in ourselves. It's not found in what we can do or what we can earn. It's found in Jesus and what he has done. Your worth is found in the worth of Jesus. And how does God see Jesus? Well, in Matthew 3, verse 16, we know Jesus is being baptized. And as he comes out the water, the heavens open and says that the Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And a voice echoes and cries out from the heavens. And what does it say? What does God say over Jesus? This is my son. This is my boy in whom I'm well pleased. This is my boy, and I'm so proud of him. In that moment, friends, Jesus, remember, he was fully God and fully man. In that moment, his humanity, like you and me, he needed to hear of his father's affection for him, his love for him, his pleasure over him. And you know what's incredible about that moment? Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He had not done a thing yet. He had not performed a miracle. He had not preached his great sermons. He had not gone to the cross. He had not fulfilled his mission. He had not earned that. That was just who he was to God. He was God's boy, and God was so pleased with him. And that's how he sees you and me, because we are in Christ. Those who are in Christ have the pleasure of God over us, friends. He is pleased with you because you are in Christ. Your worth is found in the worth of Jesus Christ. You don't have to try and prove yourself to God. Did you hear that this morning? You don't have to try and earn his affections. They are greater and deeper than you and I will ever fathom. Than we will ever fathom, friends. And then there's a story of, in Luke 15 that Jesus then tells. And he tells of the son and his dad. And his son goes to his dad the one day and he, and he says to him, I want my inheritance early. The disrespect of that, of that son. 
I want to leave. He basically was saying, I don't want to be your son anymore. I don't want to be a part of this family. Give me what is mine, even though the dad was still alive. It was a terrible thing. So he takes it. He squanders it. He lives recklessly. And he gets to a point where he has nothing. And the only job he can find is to feed pigs. And he's sitting there and he realizes that what he's feeding the pigs is more than what he has to eat. In that moment, just he's humbled. And I guess sitting with pigs will do that. <laughs> so if any of us need a humbling moment, just go and find some pigs and just, just have some time with them. But he's humbled. And we pick it up. I'm just going to read it for us from verse 18. We pick it up and he says, you know what, I need to arise. I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and, and you. It's a beautiful statement of repentance. He takes full responsibility. I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Friends, in our human reasoning, that statement there makes total sense. I think we'd all agree that's even right. It's even deserved. He gave up his sonship. He didn't deserve the father's affection or love anymore. And so him saying, I'm unworthy, to record your son, treat me as a high servant. That was right, and we'd all agree with that. <laughs> but God is not like us. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so the son, he arises, and he goes to the father. And it says that the father sees him, and he's a long way off. And the father feels anger? No. Frustration? No. Disappointment? No. Resentment? No. Bitterness? No. Numbness? No. He feels compassion. The Father who in this story is God feels compassion. That's his heart for us. We've often said up front here that Jesus, his heart is gentle and lowly. That's his heart for us, friends. He felt compassion for the Son. And what does he do? He runs to him. Now in those days, in that culture, wealthy landover, he wore long tunics. You don't run. It's undignified. A man like that, you do not run. He doesn't care. His boy is back. He runs to him. That's how God feels about you and our friends. He runs to us. He pursues us. That's the type of father that he is. Now, I don't know what dad you had, but all of us have, have mixed up dads. All of us have failed parents. I've been a failed dad. My kids will need revelation of what a true good father is. But this is a good father. He felt compassion for his son, and he runs to him. The son had not said anything yet. The son had not even repented yet. But the father ran to him out of his great love for him. And so they meet together. In this beautiful moment, my emotions are going, tears are flowing. Father grabs his son. And his son says, I've got to get this out. Dad, I've sinned against heaven and you. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your servant. And before he can carry on, the dad interrupts him, friends. It's the greatest moment, one of the greatest moments in Scripture, where at that point the dad interrupts him. The dad interrupts him. And looking at him, he says, go and get the best robe. Go and get the best robe. Not just go and get my son some clothes because he's filthy and stinks. Go and get the best robe looking at his son, saying, do you hear what I'm saying? 
go and get the best robe, go and get the ring for his finger, go and get shoes for his feet. In that moment, the dad was declaring sonship again over that boy. He was saying, I have the authority. I'm the one who has authority to declare whether you are a son or not. Not you, not Satan. I'm the one. And God, friends, today has authority, him and him alone, to declare whether you are his son and you are his daughter. And if you are in Jesus Christ this morning, he declares over you, you are his son. You have not received the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear and doubt and insecurity and condemnation. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters. Therefore, if you're in sin this morning, come back to God and find his grace and mercy again. Whatever you are suffering or whatever you are facing, cry out to God for mercy and help. You are not alone. That is not the spirit that you have received. You're not an orphan. You belong to God. Friends, God needs to start interrupting our thoughts. That's what it says that the Spirit does. He testifies with our spirits that we are sons and daughters of God. Oh, God, would you interrupt our thoughts? Would you interrupt our thoughts when we start going down that rabbit hole of condemnation and despair and feeling like God is not there for us, that God is not for us? No, no that God would remind us of who he is and that he loves us and that he has chosen us and that we belong to him. You know, it's not even just New Testament language. <laughs> this is how God's always been. The Old Testament is full of language like this. Just one example is Isaiah 62 verse 1. And God's speaking of, of his people who, who had sinned greatly against him pointing ultimately to you and I. And he goes and he says to us that no longer will you be called deserted or desolate, but now you will be called my delight is in her. No longer will you be called deserted and desolate. No longer you will you be called an orphan, left alone. You will be called my delight is in her, friends. This is who God is. He rescues us. He redeems us. He brings us home. You and I have not received the spirit to make us fall back into fear. We, friends, have been adopted. We belong to God. Do you believe that this morning? Chris Tomlin, he's a great singer, songwriter, and he wrote these words in one of his famous songs, A, a Good Father. And he writes this, he said, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like. Friends, many of us are sitting here with a wrong view of God. From our upbringing, from the type of dads we may have had, from some teachings we have received, or maybe the way we have read the Bible, we've just kind of glimpsed at it. We need to get into God's Word. We need to saturate ourselves in His Word so that we can know what God says He is like, not what others say God is like. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but... And this is the Holy Spirit. This is how the Spirit testifies with our spirit. But I've heard, it's personal, the tender whisper of love in the dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. Friends, that's what God wants to speak over every one of us this morning. I said he would interrupt your thoughts daily. 
and affirm to you the truth when, you, when you're feeling those doubts arise and those insecurities becoming overwhelming, the anxieties and the fears, that God would just whisper again, you are mine, and I'm pleased. He says, you are a good father, that's who you are. And he says, who are we? We are loved, that's who we are. Friends, we are loved by God. We are loved by God. Yes, justified, righteous. That's our right standing with God. And that's why we can approach God and draw near to God. That's why he's pleased with us, because we're in Christ, friends. But we've been adopted. We've been brought home. You know, I was thinking about my boy earlier and how when he wakes up now, he just started school in grade one. And when he wakes up and he comes out half asleep, and yes, I've bought the food and the food's in the cupboard, but he doesn't come to the kitchen counter then say, okay, boy, it's on you. I better get breakfast going. No, he expects that I'm going to make breakfast. Because I'm the dad. And too many of us, friends, we, we feel like the Christian life is where we grow up, become independent, and then leave home. But it's the total opposite. We spend our days learning to rely more on God, to become more comfortable sitting at the kitchen counter waiting for God to prepare the feast. Thank God I can't do this. And he says, I know. I'm going to help you. I've got you. I'm walking with you. I've given you my spirit. The spirit you have is one of power, one of love, one of a sound mind. Yes, you're going to face hard things. Yes, you're going to suffer. Yes, we're going to fall. But friends, the spirit that we have received is one that will give us the strength to persevere, one that will stir our faith to fulfill all that God has called us to do. One that will help us forgive. One that will help us receive his grace every day. There is so much grace for us, friends. That is who we are. It's time for many of us to go home. Stop wandering around the property. And to go inside. Sit with God. Let me renew your mind. Let me let me stir your heart. I'm, I'm just learning what this looks like, friends. But all that I know and I can share with you over my two, three decades of following Jesus is that I'm tired of doing abnormal Christianity. It's not normal to feel in such turmoil and to have despair and doubt. That's not normal Christianity. That's not what Jesus promised. It's not normal to feel condemned. Friends, my normal Christianity is to know peace of God that surpasses understanding, to know joy in Jesus. That's what God has done for us. That's what Christ has won for us, friends. You know, Paul in Philippians 3, the same guy who wrote this letter to the Romans, he was like you and me. He was a sinner. He struggled. Okay, you want to talk about suffering, facing trials? <laughs> Just go and read some of his letters and you'll see what Paul went through. How even people from the church, how, what they did to him, what they thought of him even. He faced all types of suffering, all types of trials. But this man was able to write in Philippians 3 that, that he had spent a lot of his life trying to earn the affection of God, trying to prove his worth. And he got to a point as he got saved and as he got to understand more of this gospel, he was able to write. 
that all this stuff that I could do, anything I could prove to God, anything I could earn, I count as rubbish because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He got to a point where all he wanted to know was Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm not there. Just like I'm not there, just like you're not there. He said, but I press on. I'm pressing on to make it my own. I'm pressing on to make Christ my own. I'm pressing on to know Jesus in this way, to have this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, where it's all about him. I'm pressing on to know true fellowship with God, to feel safe with God and comforted by God, where he's enough for me. I'm pressing on to know that. Why? Because Christ has made me his own. Because I belong to God, because he's holding on to me. And so I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to press on to what's ahead. Look into Jesus. And friends, that's what we need to learn to do more and more every day. It's time for many of us to go to God and to find the forgiveness that has always been available there for us. And to lay down the past. To lay down the condemnation. It's time for us where we just are feeling in despair, confused, or just feels right. You've started this year and you... You already ended last year going, there's no way I could handle a year like that. Maybe in your business or maybe your finances, maybe relationships. And January has started and before you know it, you're going, oh my goodness, it looks like it's going to be the same type of thing. Because all that happened was there was just a holiday in between and nothing really changed. (laughs) And you're just feeling despair because you're going, I can't handle this, God. I can't actually, I won't cope, I won't survive. Maybe I should look to how the, how's the world surviving. Maybe I should start doing that more. No, friends. Cry out to God. Come back to God. Find the grace and mercy you need in God. Come home. and Find your peace and your rest in God. You have not received a spirit of slavery to make you fall back into fear. No, you have received the spirit of of adoption as sons and daughters, that you and I, we cannot cry out, Abba, Father. We are now co-heirs with God, with Christ, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, friends. We have everything we need in Jesus. He is enough for us. Let me pray for us. Friends, I just felt uh, earlier during our time of worship, just that we could sing the song again when oceans rise. And so the worship team comes up. The song is just a beautiful song because it just encapsulates just the, the wonder of the gospel. But also it speaks to surrender. It reminds us that we are weak. It reminds us of our need. It reminds us of the oceans and the circumstances and the challenges of life. And more than that, friends, it reminds us of God and how He holds us and how He's enough for us. And so even as we sing this song now, friends, ask God to interrupt your thoughts. Ask God to speak over you sonship and daughtership and just belonging. Don't leave here this morning without feeling secure in God. Don't you leave here this morning without feeling the love and the grace of God again. Let God whisper to you now. Let this be the dead of your night. Let God whisper to you 
that He is pleased and that He is so loved. He is so in love with you. That He delights over you. That you belong to Him. That you are your His. And He is yours. Friends, sing the song in faith. And God, we pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do by your Holy Spirit, Lord. God, I'm still trying to I'm still trying to get a handle on these truths, Lord. They seem too wonderful to be true, but help me believe, God. Help us believe, God, this morning, that this is who we are, that this is the spirit that we have, that this is the Holy Spirit that was given to us, that this is the type of life that we can live, that we can be free from any bondage, that we can be free in you, Jesus, that we can have joy and peace and life in you, Jesus Christ. Would you do that in me? Would you do that in us, we pray in your name, Jesus.